Welcome, true believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who would never steal a meteor that I purchased, my honorable friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm doing much better and having a good time uh, podcasting today, as always. Um, I am rather interested in cosmic objects. Could I borrow the meteor? Would that be okay? I'm not sure how I would have purchased one from a museum. That's <laughs> that's my bigger problem. You could have you could have found the meteor, maybe, and then then I could borrow it. How about that? Sure, you can borrow the meteor. That's fine. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Might might be dangerous for me to have one of these. And um, the reason we're talking about these meteors, of course, is because it's in our Marvel team up that we're going to discuss today. Um, and I'll tell you, Eddie, there's a lot of Marvel team ups. And we try to squeeze them in in our regular podcasts, but we had all those giant size books and things have been piling up like crumbs in a toaster. So we have to deal with these Marvel team ups. Uh, but Eddie, good things come in threes. So we're going to do three books today and therefore we will need a third person. Oh, how fortuitous. We have a returning guest introducing, once again, the master wordsmith and lover of collaborative reading projects, Stephen Tatum. We are gladdened to have you join us today, Stephen. How's it going? I'm doing really well. You know, it, it's summertime. I'm glad to have the time to be back here with you. I've been going swimming in the river. I've had a little more time to process some stuff in my personal life and, uh, you know, work through some things and, and feel better, reach a more peaceful place. Um, we can't say the same thing for our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man in this issue, can we, Eddie? No, he's, he needs some time to process, but no time for that. James B., help us out. Start us off with our first Marvel team up. Absolutely. From May of 1975, Marvel Team Up 33, featuring Spider-Man and Nighthawk in Anybody Here Know a Guy Named Meteor Man? by Conway, Busima, and Coletta. As Kyle Richmond, better known as Nighthawk, arrives home after a late night of flying, he is accosted by an intruder stealing a meteor in his study. It is the Meteor Man. He knock, he knocks Nighthawk out with a single punch and balloons away. Eventually, Nighthawk comes to and remembers a connection between Meteor Man and Spider-Man. He quickly finds Spidey, and the obligatory first meeting battle happens between the two heroes. Once they start talking, they cheerfully decide to split up to look for the cosmically inclined criminal. Eddie, I think there's a problem we need to point out here. It happened way back in Amazing Spider-Man 36, if that's okay. That is a long time ago. Tell me about it, James B. Okay. Well, back in that issue, the villain is called the looter. <laughs> yes. Uh, he references it once or twice in this book, but I'm very glad he has changed his name more appropriately. Uh, at the Meteor's former prison, Nighthawk gets the story of Norton G. Fester's escape while Spidey is attacked the aeronautic meteor man manages to evade Spidey, and, not, and Nighthawk has to come to Spider-Man's rescue. The heroes talk, and an aggravated Nighthawk decides to go home, leaving Spidey on his own. I was really interested in this section uh, about the way that the narrator describes the prison and, and the role of prisons in this society. And my, as a reader, my mind always goes to the social commentary aspects of comics, which is kind of an, always an underlying theme. Uh, but in this particular scene, the, the penitentiary is the symbol of a law and order society. But then the narration says that this society is too frightened to accept its capability in producing criminals and uh, prefers to hide its evil side rather than change it. 
those lines really jumped out to me as as kind of critiquing society that uh, is producing these criminals instead of placing the blame on the criminal behavior itself. Spider-Man has gotten up on national TV and monologued for prison reform. Uh, and yet we often, so often, just happened recently with the Scorpion, uh, prisoners are getting out on good behavior and immediately becoming criminals, immediately afterwards. Mm. So mm. It, it's just really interesting. I, I think part of what's happening right now in Spider-Man is there's a lot of inconsistency. We've talked about this a little bit too. But it is fascinating that Nighthawk just is like, you know, this guy doesn't deserve to be caught by us and punished because he should have had a psychiatrist help him instead of just be in prison for a long time. So odd. For, yeah, and uh, it's sad reading this, knowing that it was written in 1975 before mass incarceration became such a, a huge problem in this country. So... It, it, reading it makes me think, like, uh, like why, why wasn't this paid more attention to? What do any of you think about that? Uh, the warden is so strangely bumbling through this whole conversation with Nighthawk. He, I mean, he's stuttering over words, and so unwarden-like, combined with the, you know, later on, the Nighthawk just being like, this guy doesn't deserve to go back to prison, so I'm not helping you find him. It is probably the weirdest thing I've read in a comic in a very, very long time. So he is at least trying to apologize for being bumbling though. Yes, it's true. Eddie, I also wanted to tell you, uh, did you notice the reason that Nighthawk even got involved in the story? No, help me out, James B. He actually went and purchased the meteor. He says, I remember being interested in the case at the time. That's why I bought that meteor specimen from the science museum. So he heard about the looter and said, hmm, this is an interesting case. I'm going to go buy that meteor specimen from the museum. Like, what? Wow. The fact that the looter is able to hunt down the original meteor that gave him his powers, I guess that makes it more important that he's getting this meteor right now. So, Stephen, what is more believable? <laughs> that the meteor it can be purchased from a museum or that the meteor man can sense where the meteor is? Uh, I like the idea of that the meteor man can sense where the meteor is. Uh, I know actually a little bit about this because my partner uh, just spent a week in Colorado getting trained by NASA on a exhibit that's going to be coming to our library here uh, of, of some moon rocks, like rocks that were actually on the moon. And it sounds wow. like the, the security around such things is pretty incredible. So the idea that you could go and buy a meteor at the Science Museum, I don't quite buy. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> Eddie, why don't you finish up this last part of the summary? Uh, well, Spidey swings off, and at the end we get a look at a Jeremiah, the last true prophet of the Lord. Um, <laughs> I, how much fun is the Meteor Man's balloon in this this book? Oh, I, I loved the Meteor Man's balloon. I saw that part and, and thought that it was just like a parachute, but it played in reverse. Or he's yeah. standing on the ground, and then he pulls the cord on his backpack, and up he goes. Eddie, today we have a three-time returning sponsor. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, uh, great. <laughs> Eddie, <laughs> I'll do that again. You can be more enthusiastic. <laughs> this is the third time someone's decided to sponsor our show, so we'll try again. Here we go. Eddie, today we have a three-time returning sponsor. 
Oh, wow. How exciting. All right. Still not very appreciative, but I'm just going to move on. I'm proud to welcome back to the podcast our great friends, who I appreciate, over at the Spider-Man Security Guard Company. Now, Eddie, you may recall from episodes 49 and 73 of Let's Read Spider-Man that Spider-Man security guard personnel are trained differently than standard security guards. They're trained to let people go if no one really gets hurt. For example, if someone just gets kicked hard in the face, or if there's an opportunity for the person to go back to their girlfriend, or if the perpetrator is a shady bookie, a person who owes money, or a Joe Jocewa fan. But this summer, Kyle Richmond, also known as Nighthawk, has taken over the company. Sure, the name remains the same, and they will still ignore crimes if they don't want to get involved or if the crime boss to be apprehended is having a family crisis. But with Nighthawk's new philosophy, the criminal perhaps would not get the services they need while in jail. They should be let go as well. That's right. Spider-Man security guards will not apprehend those people. If someone wrongs you but will not be rehabilitated, your Spider-Man security guard will not apprehend. That's the extra service you get with this forward-thinking company. So save money, save unnecessary paperwork filed by real police officers or real security guards, and have the Spider-Man security guard company send someone to sort of help someone, perhaps not you, but they'll help someone somehow, perhaps, today. You can find them on Instagram at ssgc.com or go to Campus Security and Life Safety Magazine to read more about them online. So Eddie, are you ready to do what's best for your family this summer? Uh, hire uh, hire someone to help me with security who may not actually help me with security. Who <laughs> will not be wasting everyone's time and putting someone in danger by putting them in incarceration when they shouldn't be, if they uh, if they wrong you for the right reasons. Right. Just just take my valuables and make sure you go get some mental help. There you go. <laughs> so it, so do you want someone? Um, they have like twenty four seven. They have, I don't know if you just want someone at night. What, what are you thinking about for this? <laughs> I, you know, maybe maybe you could try it first, or Steven uh, could try it first. You know, then... th- this sounds to me like, a, like one step in the right direction toward uh, a future where we don't need police officers as much and people are out there caring for each other. So I, I, I'm willing to give it a go just because I think I believe in the direction that it's headed in. Wow, we we appreciate you, Stephen, and so does the Spider-Man Security Guard Company. That is a great. Is a great <laughs> that is a great way of looking at this, and it sounds like you know, Eddie, perhaps will change his mind after uh, yeah. you know something goes wrong with him and somebody ends up going to jail that could have been helped otherwise. Have a little Eddie... faith and compassion, Eddie. Maybe some sort of forced institutionalism instead of just letting them off the hook. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> well, speaking of villains who aren't apprehended, the last book ends, and there's this Jeremiah character just kind of floating around. Yeah. Uh, why don't I tell you guys a little bit about the intro for the second book? From June of 1975, Marvel team up 34, Beware the Death Crusade, from the same creative team as issue 33. We open on a cold February morning, matching Spider-Man's chilly gray mood. Unresolved grief for Gwen Stacy and her mysterious reappearance continue to occupy Spider-Man's mind. Meteor Man, who I'm definitely now going to call Balloon Boy, by the way, (laughs) descends from the sky and makes it clear that he doesn't appreciate Spider-Man meddling in his plans. 
blasting Spider-Man down into the East River, where he is beautifully described as our waterlogged wall crawler. And he, Spider-Man's spider sense fails him again. He doesn't seem to ever know this guy's coming. Uh, what's going on? Water, snow, all, all these things, I think, make it hard for Spider-Man's spider sense to work properly. And clearly he's had trouble. It's having trouble distinguishing between who's good and who's bad. Uh, you know, he needs to take some time to himself and recenter his spider sense, maybe. Hmm. That's actually not a terrible opinion. I, I thought it might have to do with the fact that his head's all messed up from his conflicts involving the Gwen Stacy situation, which normally he has a lot of issues about uh, May or something. I thought the Gwen one might just be one step too far. Maybe that was messing him up, but uh, could be what you said. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, Steven, why don't you continue with the summary? Yeah. So meanwhile, uh, Nighthawk brings Valkyrie up to speed on Meteor Man, AKA Norton G. Fester, reiterating his belief that this is more of a wounded man than a hardened criminal. Unconvinced, though, Valkyrie flies off, presumably to find Fester and stop him from doing whatever it is that he's doing. Uh, Valkyrie's here. Anyone catch Valkyrie in Thor 11 Thunder this weekend? Uh-oh. No. No, I haven't seen it yet either, but I do love Tessa Thompson in that role, so I'm looking forward to uh, checking that out soon. Yeah, she gets a lot of airtime on it. She's a, you know... Big character. That's good to hear. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it then. <laughs> um, please continue. Chapter 2 introduces Jeremiah, the last prophet, to the mix, leading a kind of revival rave and incinerating two police officers who happen to stumble on their celebration. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed on page 11, uh, but there's a line there. It says, no, his attention is caught by something else, something far more riveting. And the... the um, Jeremiah is sitting there with a bunch of little kids dancing around him, and it says something far more riveting than these minor diversions. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, thank you, James B. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, though, uh, you notice, you know, the two cops just get, like, killed here instantly. Yeah. Um, Stephen, uh, welcome to Marvel Team-Ups, where they kill people whenever they feel like it. You know, it's not a big deal. Yeah, whatever. They gave them names too, Eddie. That's it's rare. They, they, they named them and then killed them. Steven, please. Promising to tie these different strands of the narrative together, the story jumps back to the web-slinging sad sack Spider-Man, get a load of that description, <laughs> who listens to a police radio to track down Meteor. I mean, Balloon Boy. And now it's time for a surprise segment. What is the surprise segment today? Eddie, it's I'm surprising you and Steven today. Oh, okay. It's time for... It's not Shakespeare. It's Marvel Team-Up. <laughs> All right. It's my favorite. The first panel is the one that says, what, Spider-Man, then my instinct was correct. You see that one there? I do. Okay. So, one of us is going to be Spider-Man, one of us is going to be Valkyrie, and one of us is going to be the cop. Would you like to be Valkyrie because you love Tessa Thompson so much? I'm here for it, yes. All right. You're going to have the Valkyrie's (laughs) lines. Um, 
do your best impression to, of the Valkyrie. Uh, anything is acceptable. Great. And you have a choice. I'll give you the choice of Spider-Man or the cop. Uh, I'll be the cop. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> uh, Spider-Man shows up and says, I can help, Lieutenant. If the man I think is in there really is in there, you can't handle him yourselves. Oh, yeah? Well, let me tell you, Buster. I, huh? Who on earth? My name is Valkyrie, and I am a defender. A friend of mine, Nighthawk, told me of your struggle, Spider-Man. I'm here to help. Thanks, but no thanks, lady. Meteor Man is my responsibility, and mine alone. Wait. Now, Missy, where do you think you're going? If that costume nut wants to kill himself, that's his business. But you, you're a lady. I can't. Unhand me, man. I told you, I am Valkyrie. And I do what I want. End scene. Eddie, did you, thanks for participating with Steven in... It's not Shakespeare, it's Marvel Team-Ups. I forget about that. Thank you for the thank you for the opportunity. That was fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we, we always whenever we have a guest on a Marvel team up, you get to read something there. But I couldn't believe Eddie didn't know we were doing. It. I, I just, <laughs> I've been too busy. It's okay. I, right. I I didn't put it in there. I put surprise I segment. I didn't want to spoil it. But all right, Steve. Why don't you continue with the summary? Yeah. So as we just saw, a very empowered Valkyrie who I portrayed very well. I think, uh, given given no prep, I think if I had had a little time, I could have, I could have embodied that character a little bit more. But still, a very empowered Valkyrie sees the scene as well and lends her support despite everyone's insistence that they don't need help from a woman. Surpassing both Spider-Man and Meteor Man's misogynistically low expectations, Valkyrie delivers a punishing blow, and Meteor Man flees with our heroes in pursuit. Eddie, they mentioned this famous figurine on page 26. Could you tell us about that? <laughs> no, what? This could some Russian meteor carved from... I don't know, the Romanov dynasty. I don't know why it's so specific here. I can only hope that it reappears sometime later on and um, is famous. Let's see if it appears at the end of this book. Steven? Spider-Man dubiously engages Meteor Man, taking a beating yet again until Valkyrie punctures his balloon and he falls to the ground, but is spared from crushing death by his super strength. Spider-Man reflects on Nighthawk's concern for the health of the human Mr. Fester and is glad, after all, that he'll likely get treatment. Meanwhile, it seems our last prophet, Jeremiah, is hatching a sinister plan. Ooh, he's a baddie here. <laughs> yeah, and I loved the art of introducing the last prophet, Jeremiah. Just his face is so emotive. Uh, he's giving me like Spanish Inquisition meets WWE. I don't know. I don't know how you how you all took to this this villain appearing. The the pencil thin mustache combined with the heightened aggressively heightened eyebrows really mm-hmm. uh, gives credence to his general evilness. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, James, we got a third book coming up here um, from July of 1975, Marvel Team-Up 35, featuring the Human Torch and Doctor Strange, forget about Spider-Man, in Blood Church by Conway, Bushima, and Coletta. Yeah, Doctor Strange is doing his 
Eleven from Stranger Things spying on the Human Torch, who he lets us know he considers the second best member of the Fantastic Four. Uh, Doctor Strange needs his help because he hasn't heard from Valkyrie or Nighthawk, his fellow defenders. Charlize Theron's uh, MCU character, Clea, makes a cameo here. Did anyone see Multiverse of Madness? I haven't yet, I'm afraid. Note it for the record, I watched it last weekend. Uh, I liked it, too. Did you stay to the very, 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 very end with your kids? Did I stay to the very end? Um, I'm not sure if I did. <laughs> I must the have, after right? credit scene. The after-credit yes, scene. The, yes, the I second, did. The second after-credit scene introduces Clea, who is uh, Doctor Strange's love interest. In oh, future. yes. That's yes. That's, that's why I said Charlie Stan. Well, she appears in this book. That's all. All right. Not that important. Using solid logic, Doctor Strange thinks, hey, Johnny Storm is a friend of Spider-Man's, and he's young. He might act and think like him. Since Spider-Man was involved recently, Johnny is the perfect replacement. Although Doctor Strange is not tolerant of the Torch's teenage sarcasm, Doctor Strange tells Johnny to go check out Norton G. Fester's apartment in Harlem for clues. And the Torch, who is the second most bored member of the Fantastic Four, agrees. <laughs> They're really trying to tie these characters in this story in many ways to the previous one. Yeah, I found this meetup pretty hilarious. But... For some reason, it was just an obvious instance of, wow, these people don't have email or text messages because <laughs> they, they just like flew together to be like, hey, can you go look for this person? Sure. And then they flew apart. Uh, there, there, there was not much reason for them to get together <laughs> other than to talk about these two people who weren't part of the story until then. Well, uh, so that... yeah, it's, it's a little bit forced connection here. Just get, get the other characters in there so more people will buy the comics. Well, there's not too much reason to spend more time on this, but let me wrap this guy up. The Torch gets captured. Doctor Strange enters the astral plane to save Valkyrie. He saves her there while the Torch frees himself in his boring human existence world. That's what Doctor Strange calls our place. <laughs> and Johnny battles Jeremiah, the last prophet. Then Doctor Strange shows up. Here's Jeremiah. We've been talking about this guy for three books, the big bad villain. Doctor Strange shows up, one snap of his fingers. The fight's over. That's it. Why was I reading about this guy for three whole books? What's What did I miss? Uh, Steven, Eddie, did this guy actually do anything? He has some incredible powers where he can vaporize police and fight the Human Torch reasonably well. I mean things shoot out of his hands, things shoot out of his eyes. I, I have more questions about Jeremiah than, well, I, than I have answers. Yeah, I mean, but he's he's what tied, you know, these three books we covered today were all tied with him. And I feel like I know nothing about this guy. <laughs> I, well, he's called out as a charlatan by Doctor Strange. And uh, I think as as villain types go, He's, he's a certain kind of power-hungry matched up with uh, being able to co-opt religion and people's fervor for religious energy. Uh, in this case, literally using that energy uh, to further his own power. There's a social commentary here about power corrupting people in positions. Uh, Stephen, I, I keep asking you if you've seen Marvel movies and you keep failing, so I'm going to try to give you a, 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 one more chance. You ready? <laughs> sure. Stephen, have you read... Philip Pullman's The Golden Compass. Oh, God. I'm going to say no, and, and everyone's going to be really mad at me. I'm going to lose all credibility. But, all right. 
If you need me to edit this out, English teacher, I will. But <laughs> the, the Big Baddie is, of course, a magical religious uh, organization called the Magisterium. I just tried to find one more for you. You know, His Dark Materials, it's also an HBO Max show. That's yeah. okay. It's, um, it's really high on my reading list, and I'm getting to it. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised that they didn't push the Defenders comic down our throats more since they had Doctor Strange and the Valkyrie and Nighthawk, who are all... Defenders. And Eddie, I'm going to let you know, we're going to do a one crossover with Spider-Man and the Defenders in, you know, uh, down the road. I got, I right. got a note that says we're going to do episode. Uh, <laughs> I got a note that says we're going to do issue 61 of the Defenders because Spider-Man makes a big appearance in that book. But uh, we're running a, a little short on time here. Is there anything that we didn't cover that, you know, you each guys, you each have one more big comment you want to squeeze in here about any of the books? How about uh, we'll let Eddie go first? Uh, you know, I, this third book, the only thing that's notable in the third book to me is Dr. Strange and the Human Torch meet up and there's no fight. The obligatory fight doesn't happen. <laughs> are Maybe we, it's are not we so to, obligatory. Yeah. Are we to say that Spider-Man is so hot-headed, he, he's the only one who fights someone upon first meeting them without talking at all? I, Doctor Strange, I think, is the reason that there's no fight. I think he's just supposed to be wise enough to, to know that. Oh, I see. You know. uh, Steven, is there anything uh, going on with you that uh, we should know about? Um, yeah. From the comics world, um, I read more independent comics than than mainstream comics and there's one independent comic that i love called paper girls that is about to come out as a tv show on on i think it's coming out on amazon prime the comic and the show are called paper girls uh and it feels like it's got kind of stranger things vibes to it uh 1980s uh four girls who run a newspaper route get sucked up into a big time travel war uh i think it's going to be a good time i really love the comic and i'm looking forward to watching that that's everything I love. 80s, superheroes, time travel. <laughs> I know how to reach you to talk about it, but if other people want to talk to you about it, how can they find you, Stephen? Sure. Sometimes I'm on Twitter at Stephen B. Tatum. I don't use it very much, but I am one of those people who consumes much more than I, than I produce on there. Maybe, maybe one of your listeners could uh, reach out to me there and, and pull me out of my Twitter slumber. <laughs> Eddie, if people want to find us, how can they reach us? You can email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And it's time for the close. I'm James B., joined by Eddie and Stephen. And remember, listeners, if you're cosplaying as the Spanish Inquisition at a WWE match. And you happen to be a part-time power-hungry cult leader over three consecutive comic books. You'll only cause a minor diversion. Goodbye. 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 Steven, is it true that you just saw Spider-Man musician Jeff Kennison yesterday? He's the person who sings the intro, plays the intro, and plays the outro that just played like 20 seconds ago. It is true. I, he was playing his guitar and singing songs at a bar, and a few colleagues of ours went out and supported him. Uh, he is so talented. You hear it at the top of the show every day, and it, uh, it was a lot of fun to see him in his element. He really killed it. Eddie, have you ever heard him 
play. I ha- I have never been to a Jeff Kennison uh, gig. I'm embarrassed to say I worked from with him for so many years, and he is super talented. Stephen, the last time you were here was uh, Let's Read Spider-Man 39. Yeah, that sounds right. Great. Um, do you uh, do you have anybody in your uh, friends and family that you will tell them to listen or to not listen specifically to your podcast that you appear on? <laughs> uh, my brother is is vegetable farming up in Vermont. I visited him last week, and uh, he could probably could probably get through quite a few episodes while he's weeding the carrots. <laughs> All right, so we'll put your brother down for a. 30 minutes of uh, weeding carrots uh, and listening to you. Yeah, excellent carrot weeding material here. <laughs> That's how we're going to promote our podcast now. <laughs> Are you busy weeding carrots? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a show for you. <laughs>